This week on Priority One, Michael Chabon answers another round of fan questions, Shatner tweets, Simon Pegg talks Kelvin 4, and we send our support to Kenneth Mitchell. In gaming news, we check out the newest promo ship, the Section 31 Command Heavy Battle Cruiser. Then we look on screen to Episode 6 of Star Trek Picard, The Impossible Box. RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. Command codes verified. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Hello, Captains. You're listening to episode 451 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. Your weekly recap and review of all the major news happening in the Star Trek multiverse. This episode was recorded live on Tuesday, March 3rd, 2020, and available for download or streaming on Friday, March 6th at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Elijah. I'm Kat. And I'm Tony. Before we jump into the news, we want to invite you to join in the weekly conversations, whether via social media platforms like Facebook.com forward slash PriorityOnePodcast, on Twitter or Instagram at PriorityOnePod, or by email to incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Captains, I say it every Every week, or rather, I remind you every week that this production is, in fact, a community-driven production. We are a group of volunteers who are passionate about Star Trek, enough so that we think that we want to have our own little podcasting corner in the Star Trek multiverse. But to do that takes a lot of work and unfortunately is not free. So we have some perks to offer you by becoming a patron over at patreon.com. Just do a search for Priority One Podcast and you'll find our page where we list our perks. For instance, at just $5 a month, we invite you to join us on a very exclusive and private Discord channel titled Captain's Table over at the Priority on Armada server. At $10 a month, not only do you have access to the perk like the Captain's Table Chat channel, but you also get an entirely different podcast titled After Hours, exclusive to our patrons. I say it every week, Captains, without you, none of this would be possible. Now, let's check out the latest news from the Star Trek multiverse. I don't know. Then let's trek it out. Star Trek Picard's showrunner Michael Chabon chatting Trek on Instagram is becoming a thing, and we couldn't be happier. On February 26th and 27th, the showrunner, writer, author, and creator took to Instagram to answer some of the fans' most burning Star Trek questions. While some answers were entertaining, like... Shaban proclaiming Agnes his favorite Star Trek Picard character, or his pointing out Gorn Easter eggs from previous episodes, others were more informative. In regards to the perceived dystopian nature of the newest Star Trek offerings, Shaban was asked, quote, is there a link between Star Trek Picard's Federation downfall and its absence in season three of Star Trek Discovery? End quote. To which he replied in part, quote, what Federation downfall? 
the Federation is still very much alive and well and home to trillions of safe, housed, fed, educated citizens with the potential to lead fulfilling lives. There was a crisis 15 years ago in the wake of the costly Dominion War and Romulan Emergency, which had a negative impact on the lives of many, including most of our principal characters. From Admiral Clancy's viewpoint, which is likely the mainstream view, Picard's attitude was unrealistic, quixotic, and even dangerous. She might be right. They may both be right. And both wrong. But that was 15 years ago and the Federation is still going strong. Perhaps in the eyes of some, it lost its luster, its air of invulnerability, its claim to the moral high ground, a process that began during the Deep Space Nine times. That is hardly a downfall though." End quote. To read more of the Q&A, which includes answers to Santiago Cabrera's impact on the EHs, the Borg's perceived demise in Star Trek Voyager, and whether we'll see Janeway again, track out the show notes. I like that he's answering these questions, you know, I think it's good. I mean, again, I would hate to see that be like an expectation going forward on him, but you know, I love that he's got something to say about blowback. It's refreshing, isn't it, right? That he's on and not afraid of engaging the fans. Yeah or potentially upsetting the suits up at CBS for for running his mouth. But he's not, you know, he's not saying anything out of turn, I don't think. I think a lot of this comes from passion for the franchise. Absolutely, yeah, I agree. I think it's good that he's answering these questions and giving you sort of like, you know, the flavor and feedback. But I, I wonder if it's going to wander into the territory that we were talking about a week or so ago about you have to subscribe to all these other things and, you know, read the other comics and watch the other movies or else you don't understand what's going on. If someone doesn't get what's going on in the story and you have to go to Shabon's Instagram to figure out what's going on, that could be a problem. But uh, this seems to be like the fun aspect of it. Like Ronald D. Moore used to do this with Battlestar Galactica after the series had run, but he used to answer these questions and for DS nine as well he used to answer these kind of flavor questions a lot so it it is nice to see the creator out there yes this is like you said very much just flavor uh he's talking more about kind of the creative thought process behind some of the themes that we're watching it's not he's not giving away story points in any way shape or form or influencing the way a, a a novel might, for instance. So no, these are these are definitely safe. And if you aren't already on Instagram and following Michael Shabon, be sure to do it before the end of this season of Picard because he's moving on to other things. Prolific tweeter and Star Trek star William Shatner did something shocking this week while prolifically tweeting. He said he was done playing Star Trek's Captain Kirk. On March 1st, Shatner answered a tweet that asked, quote, Now that they have the series Picard, do you think they'll consider a series Kirk for you? That would be pretty cool, end quote, with a response, quote, No, I think Kirk's story's pretty well played out at this point, end quote. The 88-year-old Shatner continued in, you guessed it, more tweets, saying, quote, They could also do adventures in the ribbon, yawning face emoji, sleeping face emoji. I don't do cameos, it's a throwaway part to sell DVDs, end quote. Yeah, I am not surprised that he's tired and is not prepared to bring back James T. Kirk. Um, Not to say he can't work on that, but I am not interested in seeing that story. He's pushing 90 now, and I, I think the other part of this, you got to read between the lines a little bit, is that he thinks Kirk's story is done. Chris Pine is a perfectly serviceable Kirk. I mean, he, he does a fine job. I so agree. Kirk's story might not be done. Of course, we're getting to that story here in an upcoming segment. Stay tuned, listeners. But uh, but it, I, I think that the Shatner's not going to play Kirk anymore, and that's probably for the best. But other people could still do it. 
Well, that brings us to our first community question this week. Should William Shatner reprise his role as Captain James Tiberius Kirk, either as a cameo or in the title role a la Picard? Let us know in the comments section for this episode at PriorityOnePodcast.com or just follow us on our social media channels like Facebook and Twitter for our post of these community questions. Meanwhile, everybody in the chat is screaming no. <laughs> yeah, they are. <laughs> Simon Pegg sat down this week with Games Radar to talk about his latest project, Lost Transmission. While the down-to-earth indie film about mental health, which is due to hit U.S. theaters this month, sounds intriguing, we really want to know about Pegg's reprisal as Scotty in the J.J. reboot Kelvin Timeline Star Trek films. Well, it sounds like we may need a miracle worker to get that project off the ground. Pegg told Games Radar, quote, The fact is, Star Trek movies don't make Marvel money. They make maybe 500 million at the most, and to make one now on the scale they've set themselves is 200 million. You have to make three times that to make a profit, end quote. Pegg went on to explain his thoughts on Beyond's less than stellar box office numbers, saying, quote, I don't feel like the last one. They didn't really take advantage of the 50th anniversary. The regimen at the time dropped a ball on the promo of the film, and we've lost momentum, end quote. But it doesn't sound like it's only the studio that has lost the Star Trek fire, quote. I think losing Anton Yelchin was a huge blow to our little family, and our enthusiasm to do another one might have been affected by that, so I don't know, end quote. For a link to the interview, which brings up Mission Impossible and another star franchise Peg has been a part of, follow the link in our show notes. I'm not surprised if that family doesn't come back after having lost Anton. I think that that's, you know, they rebooted the franchise as a team, as a family, and uh, I think that it would be hard for them to, to get back together like that. You know, cast members and shows and productions tend to leave a mark on you, and I can only imagine it being no different on a cinematic scale. So, yeah. And also, Star Trek is doing pretty decently on streaming. Yeah, I think that then part of that quote is he said at the scale they've set themselves is $200 million. If if everyone around the old table, you know, the, the three films table is thinking it needs to be a summer popcorn blockbuster and we need to bring in, you know, uh, all the whiz-bang sets and, and uh, we need to shoot on location and bring in some stars and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I don't think we're going to be seeing any of those movies anytime soon. I liken this to the difference between Star Trek The Motion Picture and Star Trek Two. They slashed the budget between those two movies. And Star Trek Two was one of the arguably the best Star Trek movie that was ever made. So I think that probably CBS is thinking a lot smaller and maybe using some of the people that are already around to have a much smaller budget with lower expectations that could then be a success based on a smaller scale. Like Pike? Oh, oh. now just wait a minute there. <laughs> what? Yeah, I think there you, you go. I think you just cracked it. I think you just cracked it. Because mm -hmm. we've been wondering about the extra series and stuff and where a Pike series might fit. A Pike, Pike movie. movie makes a hell of a lot more sense. It makes mm -hmm. a hell of a lot more sense. Yeah, but you think that for a theatrical release yeah. or a movie to be shown? Why not both? Maybe in part theatrical and then immediately. Yeah, why not it, could, both? it could go in the it could go in the DVD bin, and Kirk <laughs> and, and Shatter could have a cameo. <laughs> yeah. Full circle, baby. Captains in. Some very unfortunate news that we have to report this week. Star Trek Discovery star and fan favorite Kenneth Mitchell announced this week that he is battling 
with ALS. According to the ALS Association, a myotrophic lateral sclerosis commonly known as ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease is, quote, an always fatal neurodegenerative disease in which the person's brain loses connection with the muscles. End quote. The 45-year-old Mitchell, who has played three separate Klingons in the first two seasons of Star Trek Discovery, broke the news exclusively to People magazine, saying, quote, The moment that they told us it was ALS, it was like I was in my own movie. That's what it felt like. Like I was watching that scene where someone is being told that they have a terminal illness. It was just a complete disbelief and shock. End quote. Mitchell went on to say, quote, I think it, over time, became the theme of us accepting this with grace, trying to see the beauty in it, in a way. I'll never forget one of my Star Trek co-stars told me, because they had dealt with some trying times with illness and stuff, and I remember them communicating to me, you have a choice. You can look at this in many different ways, but maybe try to look at this like a gift where you get to experience life in a way that most people don't. End quote. We ask that you join us in sending support to Kenneth Mitchell, his wife, two children, family, friends, and loved ones. Well, Captains, that's all the news we have to trek out this week. Now let's find out what happened in the world of Star Trek gaming. Computer status report. Status. Incoming message. I'm only in the mood for good news today. Well, Captains, it's time again to light a few candles on the old shrine to Orangesus, if you're so inclined to, at least. Star Trek Online has announced the latest duty officer and R&D promotion event, and along with it, the latest Tier 6 promotion pack ship. Beginning March 5th, players who open a promotional R&D pack or promotional duty officer pack will receive either 10 Lobi Crystals or a special requisition tier six promotional ship choice pack in addition to their R&D materials or duty officers. The latest grand prize ship is the Section 31 Command Heavy Battlecruiser, as seen in Star Trek Discovery Season 2's finale, Such Sweet Sorrow. If you recall from the episode, this is the sleek quad nacelle ship whose hull just flakes away into a swarm of control drones. Now, according to the announcement blog, quote, This vessel from Section 31 features a number of unique capabilities, including its secret mission tracking, its forged turncoat capabilities, dark mode, and its daunting swarm mode. End quote. Turning an eye towards the ship's stats, this is a scaling Tier 6 Federation battlecruiser with a 5 front, 3 rear weapons layout. The bridge officer stations are Commander Engineering slash Command, Lieutenant Commander Tactical, Lieutenant Commander Universal, Lieutenant Universal slash Intelligence, and Ensign Engineering. As a command specialized ship, it also carries the Inspiration Abilities mechanic. A new Universal console is included, the Forge Turncoat console, which will passively add crit severity and weapon power to your ship. When activated, the console will override the targeting systems of an enemy, causing it to attack its former allies with significantly buff damage output. When the effect expires, the target is briefly disabled. The ship's starship trait, Secret Mission, looks like an interesting addition to the game. While the trait is slotted, every few seconds in combat, an enemy will be marked as a secret mission target. That foe has lowered resistances to your attacks, and when destroyed, will spawn a swarm of Section 31 drones to join the fight. The last noteworthy features of the new ship are Dark Mode and Swarm Mode. 
Dark mode, as with the previous Section 31 Science Destroyer, functionally behaves much like a traditional cloaking device. Swarm mode, when activated, launches hundreds of fighter drones that automatically target nearby enemies. While in swarm mode, maneuverability is increased and hull capacity is slightly decreased. I kind of want that ship. Well, it'll be available for about a billion three on the exchange in short order. (laughs) Save your pennies. Yes, I mean, personally, if I wanted this ship, if I really wanted this ship, then I was, then I would certainly just buy it for EC. I rather spend, know what I'm spending instead of feeling like I'm evaporating money, right? So, I mean, I've, I've converted $50 in US dollars into keys, essentially, and then sold those keys on the exchange. For the exception of the legendary pack, but then that doesn't even count because it's a pack, I've never spent... I've never spent more than $50 on a ship, which is the average uh, ship cost for uh, a tier six ship on the on the sea store, right? Usually about $50 for a bundle or something like that, right? I mean, they're thir- 3,000 Zen for an individual ship, but about, yeah. 30 to 50. So I'm really not gonna ever spend that much. The ship kind of looks cool for me, but I mean, I think that the, ba- the fleet battlecruiser certainly outperforms it. There's a bit of difference in bonus power to weapons, but the fleet battlecruiser is much nimbler uh, with a better turn rate and higher inertia, so it can turn better for your attack modes. Yeah, it's just, it's this one's not for me. You can equip a cloaking device on a battlecruiser. You can have the VATS, VATA console. On the fleet? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, the, and- yeah. B-A-T-A. Yep. And then you can uh, and you can also, it's uh, got that the, the torpedo launch thing, so you get the torpedo probes that come out of it. So you kind of have like a tiny swarm. It's like a little little bitty one. Right. Uh, right. But I mean, I, I, the, 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 the tier six battlecruiser I think is still a lot of fun to fly. And they'd have to sell me, they'd have to give me a lot of these boxes to even try to get this one. Best thing sounds, the console sounds the best out of all of these items in that ship. The console, the, you, you know, forged turncoat. Yeah, can you just stop shooting? Um, what happens if you just crit- stop shooting, right? I mean, does it actually <laughs> just take over? And Right. So many questions. I don't know. I mean, interesting. Well, anyway, yeah, I, I wouldn't be opposed to this ship, but I don't think I'm going to go out of my way to get it. This past week introduced a number of quality of life improvements in the weekly patch notes. First up, a number of updated costume tailor options have been added. Next, to pretty much everyone's joy, stackable items like lobby crystals, R&D items, upgrades, and so on have been allowed to stack up to 9,999 per stack. This per character limit on fleet dilithium vouchers has been raised to 100 million from 10 million. And perhaps the most exciting patch news, These hard-to-get costumes have been moved from the Dilithium store to the Lobby store. The 22nd century Mako uniform costs you a cool 300 Lobby. The Wrath of Khan Scotty engineer vest, only 200 Lobby. The Wrath of Khan excursion jacket, my personal favorite winter coat, 200 Lobby. And the Wrath of Khan captain's vest, 150 Lobby. Is that the one where where Ricardo Montalban showing off his pecs? I think it's Kirk's vest. Kirk's, you know, oh, when he's oh, when they're the down vest. the Genesis planet eating apples. Right, that's the apple eating vest. Okay, got it. Mm-hmm. Right. So, if you've been dreaming of these great Mako or Wrath of Khan uniforms, maybe they're a little more in reach now. For a link to the full patch notes, check out the show notes. And that brings us to another community question this week. Are you more likely to pick up the Mako or Wrath of Khan costumes now that they've moved to the Lobby store? And what are your thoughts on the new Section 31 Battlecruiser? Is that a ship you hope to add to your fleet? 
Let us know in the comment section for this episode, or, of course, by just replying to our social media community question posts. And now for some upcoming events in Star Trek Online. Finally, after much waiting, our console captains are now into their first week of the 10th anniversary event. So, captains, drop us a note on social media to share your progress, or let us know what you're enjoying about it. For PC players, a new featured event campaign begins on March the 5th with a return to the Battle at the Binary Stars. Participating in the featured TFO daily will earn you event campaign progress points as well as daily event rewards. Where previous event campaigns comprised of three featured TFO events, this campaign will take place across four events, spanning most of this year's new content releases. Of course, with the longer campaign comes higher campaign progress requirements. Instead of the previous 2100 progress points for completion, this campaign will require 2800 points. The rewards are revamped a bit too, with two options available to players. Option 1. You get a C-Store coupon for 100% off a single Tier 6 starship, plus 200 Lobby Crystals. Enough for the vest. Option 2 provides no coupon, but 1000 Lobby Crystals as a reward. Both options are, of course, claimable once per account. Earning 14 days of daily progress during the Battle of the Binary Stars event will earn captains the following rewards. 1. Universal Kit Module .7 Drone Fabrication .7 Non-Combat Drone Pet 25,000 Dilithium Ore and 3 featured TFO reward boxes, each a choice between 1 Spec Point or 1 Enhanced Universal Tech Upgrade. Now additionally, bonus dilithium payouts for daily progress after event completions have also been modified from previous events. Instead of tiered bonuses of 2,500 per day maxing out at 25,000, the bonus begins at 8,000 dilithium on day one and increases by a linear 1,000 dilithium per day after that with an unreachable limit. So, Tony, you've listed all the rewards that uh, a person can earn, like the Tier 6 token, the Dot 7 little thingy. But perhaps one of the most controversial things and changes to this new event structure is that the Dilithium payout and bonuses that you received on the days after you reached your your reward. In this case, it's the kit module, the, the uh, reward boxes, whatever, and then the token, right? In this new change, the bonus dilithium that you earn for every day after that has been nerfed and lessened. Now, Kat, did you guys cover this on the Armada on Saturday night? Did What's the community feedback been? Oh, I don't think anyone's crunched the numbers like that. Um, I do know that this is the last time you'll be able to cash in your legacy tokens. So after this, if you have any remaining, you won't be able to use them anymore. What are legacy tokens? When you did the previous events and you got where you had to turn in the token every day to, you know, earn progress. And now progress is automatic. So if you have some of those prior tokens, this is the last, you know, event thing that you can use those for. So so somebody could have 14 of those tokens left over and could start getting the bonus dilithium payout on day one. I think I have five or six, so that does help, but this is the last time you get to take advantage of that. The dilithium exchange has been unbalanced for a little while now, and so they this is unfortunately necessary. Uh, when, when they were, you know, for several months, uh, it was cruising near the top of the uh, 500 dilithium per zen limit. Uh, it's now, last time I looked, somewhere in the 410s, 14s, somewhere around in there. 
So it's gotten a little better, but you know, the, historically they've, I think Cryptic prefers it when it's in the two to 300 range. Uh, so they do need to clean out some dilithium from the economy and lowering rewards, unfortunately, is one of the ways to do that. On the exchange for me, a dilithium to Zen ex- average has been about 400 for me over the last few weeks. Yeah, it's come down. Uh, it was it was scraping 500 there for a while though. Yeah, uh, but it's it, been it, really it, high lately. Whenever there's you know stuff going on, when you'd want to buy stuff out of the Zen store, the price is super high. Yeah, and they they need to manage their time currency because this is, however you know, tenuous of a connection it is, it is how Cryptic values the player's time, and so unless they manage that a little bit, people are going to feel like it takes too much work to earn uh, things in the game uh, if they have to convert it to Zen uh, through the Delphium Exchange. So it's sad for a lot of players who do a lot of the the extra bonus events and uh, who like to have that, even though it's or, you know, if you have a lifetime account which automatically refines, you use the bonus to get uh, the extra thousand Delphium per day through one of the fleet holdings, you know, that you can you can do things to make that that pile go fast. Multiple accounts which you can then transfer to a main account via the Delithium Exchange. I mean, there are lots of ways where there has just been too much of this stuff sloshing around in the economy and it does need to get cleaned out a bit. All right, Kat, why don't you tell us what's going on in the Armada? Well, this week uh, in the Armada, we have our ongoing uh, event we do every Tuesday. We call it TFO Tuesday because we run TFOs. So if you want to join us, um, check us out on PriorityOneArmada.com. But we have a really good time on Tuesdays. We play TFOs, earn marks in Dilithium, and hang out together on our new Discord server, which is going swimmingly. Lots of new folks uh, in there this week. Uh, Other Armada news, Epsilon Fleet is kicked off its first Tier 5 colony upgrade. Well done, Epsilon. And the House of Martok is slowly getting there on its final Tier 5 colony upgrade. So we just need some provisions in Dilithium and... Yeah, well done, House of Martok. And another gaming news. If you are looking for some tabletop Star Trek fun, Walmart.com is offering the Star Trek Catan board game for $43, which is $22 discounted from its usual $65 price. Good God. Good Lord, that's a lot of money. Based on the hugely popular Catan board game, Star Trek Catan brings the game into the Federation. As the game's website describes, quote, On behalf of the Federation, you explore space with your starships and build outposts and star bases near valuable planets. There you extract important resources such as the coveted Dilithium. But the Federation has also sent out other expeditions. Therefore, you have to be wary of competitors and of the Klingons who want to give the players a hard time. End quote. Track out the link, of course, in our show notes for the details. I have that game, and it's fun. That's it for this week in gaming news. Now let's look on screen for the sixth episode of Star Trek Picard titled The Impossible Box. On screen. Computer. Set Star Trek Picard, Episode 6, The Impossible Box, on screen. After playing Tour of the Galaxy for their daily Endeavor points, hashtag STO reference, the Fellowship of the Synth is finally ready to embark on their perilous mission. Next stop, Romulan Space and the reclaimed Borg Cube. 
Not before pulling Rafi out of her room in a drunken and stone stupor to phone a friend and weasel diplomatic envoy credentials for Jean-Luc Picard. Meanwhile, Gerardi is so guilty about committing murder, she realizes the sweet release of endorphins might calm her nerves, or she's got some serious mental problems if murdering is some kind of turn-on for her. Ew, gross. Arriving on the Borg cube with impeccable timing, Picard and Soji escape through a gateway slash portal slash mega transporter thanks to our old friend, Hugh. Do Picard and Soji end up on the Sakarian party planet only to realize it's the off-season? Do Hugh and Elnor jump on a magic Borg carpet and ride past the guards? Will Narek finally find a decoder ring in his little puzzle box? Let's dive in. Where to begin? Just, where do we start? Well, let's talk a little bit about some of the touchstones. This one was not heavy in Star Trek touchstoning. I mean, the big one is a reference to Voyager's season one, episode 10, titled Prime Factors, where Voyager stumbles upon the Sakarians and they have this amazing technology that would allow them to transport them 40,000 light years away, which would be great, but the Sakarians have a prime directive too, so oh my god, what's a Janeway to do? Who knows? Anyway, there's that. So there's that. But the rest of the show was, it wasn't touchstoning, it was almost a direct sequel to the episodes with Hugh in it, to First Contact. Uh, you know, they, they pulled a lot of the the pulled a lot of the same pieces from those earlier shows and movies forward and brought us up to speed yeah literally took pieces yeah. i mean if you know if you freeze frame a lot of those flashback images were either taken directly from tng or first contact so if anybody had any question or doubt whether this was the prime timeline this should answer that now definitely and then when Picard sitting at his desk in the overlay of his locutus. Oh, right. oh man, that was so. I thought that cool was a really scene. well done shot. That was that, that was, was really well done. That was a really well done shot. All right, I'm going to say something nice. I'm going to say something nice. Would you like? Are you ready for this? I liked the Hugh parts a lot. Love Hugh. Yes, I think that it's fair to break down this episode in two key moments, at least for me. One of them was the moment on the bridge where Rafi is coerced into helping Jean-Luc get diplomatic credentials. I'll get to that in a second. And the second one is once Picard actually gets to the Borg Cube. Do you want to talk more about Picard's experience on the Borg Cube, Tony? Mostly I want to talk about Hugh, right? I mean, uh, we saw a little bit of him in a prior, in a prior episode where he's sort of unlocking the mystery of Soji a little bit. Uh, and he does he's a little more exposition-y there than anything else. But here, I don't know what it was, but you can tell that he was really excited to be Hugh with Picard again, right? The actor, like he was like he was just just so into it and really there. And he really made the sort of, uh, he made it more believable that it's, you know, they weren't friends, right? I mean, they're not pals. They weren't, like, they didn't keep in touch. But they had a shared experience, right? A shared trauma. And so Hugh would remember Picard as somebody who had not once maybe but twice uh, sort of pulled his bacon out of the fire. Uh, so, uh, you know, Hugh owes Picard quite a bit. And Picard's here to maybe cash in on a favor, but he was more than willing to do that because of that shared past. So, and and a lot of that stuff just sort of just jumped off the screen to me. And I wish that we had gotten more of that. <laughs> I wish that it wasn't uh, there and gone sort of a thing. But it looks like uh, 
Hugh and Eleanor are off to their own adventure now, being tortured by Romulans in the next episode. <laughs> yeah, I was pretty shocked that Elnor stayed behind at the at the end there, but and I also thought the Gerardi and Rio scene. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, oh, what? Uh, and it lasted entirely too long. And really, I mean, they I uh, they foreshadowed that a little bit. You knew that she was gonna go after him. I mean, they they kind of they. Mean, they were I can't blame footsie. her. He's super hot, but like, uh. I just I can't imagine wanting to be sexual with someone after murdering. I, yeah, someone. that's no where one I was knows like, that really? she murdered him. If she's not yeah, hot for this for the no captain, no one knows it. But she's but she's. But she's the one with that guilt, yeah, right? And you're like, seemingly but guilt, she, right? But I just killed that guy. Let's get it on, no, but Rios. Guys, yeah, guys, right? guys, guys. <laughs> she's got to protect the alibi. If she's not hot for the captain, people are going to think there's something wrong. They're like, why wouldn't well, she be hot for the captain? And then they'll get suspicious. No, it's a reverse psychology so. thing, no, I'm telling no, you. No. Well, anyway, that scene so. was way too long and could have not. And it started taken off with the uh, it started off with the Latin guy playing soccer. That was the yeah. part where my son... It wasn't soccer. It's some other... I, I saw somewhere on Twitter that it's not really soccer. It's a different version of soccer. The ball's heavier oh, and it's meant to be Lord. played indoors. Blah, 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 blah. blah, blah, blah. So... It's sports stuff that I don't I'm know I'm sorry, about. Elijah. I'm going to have to put another mark in the generic Latin guy column uh, that you were worried about. So sorry. I just... You know. Yeah, I think so. Well, all right. So I want to focus a little more on that scene since we're already on the board cube. I thought, I thought that this was the most... Picard that he's been. There was, there's a moment where he's walking through the hall with Hugh and he's, he's tucked in like a turtle, in. like a turtle tucked in hands and pockets and looking on the corner of his eye, his hands are in his pockets. He is frail. He is old. He is scared. And my heart broke in that moment. I mean, this, for whatever reason, this episode or this whole series has been really personal for me. I saw my grandparents in him in that moment. My grandparents both have dementia and are, and Alzheimer's and are, are now you know, pretty far along with it. And I have seen that fear in their eye. They know that if something goes wrong, there is nothing that they can do. And that's what I think Picard was feeling. Yeah. That it's, he's not the Picard of first contact, you know, with the energy to remodulate a, a phaser rifle and get into an argument about why the Borg needs to be exploded. He just doesn't have it in him. I mean, after all, we went on a space quest to get space Legolas to be his bodyguard, right? So that fear felt really raw and it broke my heart. It really did break my heart. I thought it was one of the best scenes of this entire series so far. Yeah, no, it's it's just yeah. another another good example of how they are using these really good actors are using their body to convey things that they don't necessarily say out loud. And so, you know, I'm scared is something you can get over with, you know, two line, you know, two words of dialogue, but the pot hands in the pockets, the hunching over, the looking out of the corner of your eye, the and, and the way that he says his lines and sort of mumbles them, like, don't tell anybody right. that I'm worried about this kind of stuff. You know, I, all that stuff is just is 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 Stuart letting the character breathe. And it's 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 good to see. And right. it's I don't think it's a coincidence that those scenes were with Hugh. You know, he's he's right. with with someone he trusts, he's with an old friend, someone he's gonna he's gotta lean on this guy to guide him through this scary thing. So, yeah, I, I liked I liked the Hugh I liked the Hugh scenes quite a bit. 
So let me tell you where the episode failed me. We have spoken over the last few weeks about the character Rafi. Uh, she is clearly an addict who is addicted to not only alcohol, but other recreational Electric drugs. lettuce. Electric lettuce. We talked a few weeks ago about how I hoped that they were not going to romanticize her addiction. It's, it must have been just last week we talked about it. How her addiction needs to be dealt with. She went to her son. She told her son, I'm clean. I'm ready to be back in your life, please. Only for those things not to be true, right? So let me preface this by by sharing something very personal with everybody. And that is that my mother is a substance abuser, specifically opioids. So when I say that I've had that conversation before or a conversation similar to the one that she had with her son Gabe last in last week's episode, I mean it that I've had very similar discussions. And the reason why I, I had hoped that they were not going to romanticize her addiction is because addiction is not a superpower right it it it's not a superpower every the, the power is there and the substance abuse is a coping mechanism i mean you know whatever so i'm not a psychologist but i had hoped that they were not going to romanticize her addiction as some sort of superpower she had just gone to her son lied to her son said that she was clean she left and what did she do she hit the ball oh, i don't i think she, i think she was telling the truth at that time she had cleaned herself up right then she was clean. She literally vaped with Picard. She was clean for like a day, bro. Yeah, she was. Yeah, right. She was clean right, for like, like, or whatever warp. Yeah, I'm clean today. That's like not clean. Five minutes. That's oh, not clean. But, but she didn't say today. She said I'm clean, right? And when you're on the receiving end of that, there's no way you're going to believe it, right? Or there's after being burned so many times. Hold on. But b besides going in that direction, the direction I'm trying to take is... They are now, they, they're using this as some sort of Rafi superpower, which I think is, it, it shows that the writers really either have no insight to addiction or are not creative enough to find a way to make Rafi a significant character without turning her addiction into some sort of comedy. Now, rewatch that scene as I have, please. If you rewatch the scene, there is very campy, chop music happening underneath. Yeah. A nice yeah. funny little vamp. Okay. Then they clap at the that end. That was scene. the worst part. And Rios, and then Rios carries her away. And even her even this friend of hers has says two things. One, oh, you only call me when you're lit and you want to go down memory lane. And two is look, I'm telling you this as a friend. Don't call me ever again. I had hoped that Star Trek would be the one to say, okay, look, we're not going to romanticize addiction. Instead, we're going to talk about it and we're going to address it the way it has in the past. I Look, man, to Paul's addiction in Enterprise, I think was handled better than the way that they're, they're, they're handling Rafi's addiction. And that says a lot. Yeah, what well, about Barclay's holodeck addiction? They dealt with that Barclay, better. Barclay, Garrick... <laughs> Garrett, everything that what what they're failing to do is show or what they're doing is that they're failing to show the consequences and they're failing to show that people care about other people. Picard betrayed me this week. Picard betrayed me. I felt that they enabled Rafi, they enabled this person with an addiction and used her 
to get something done without caring whether or not she could be hospitalized for an overdose or be, uh, you know, alcohol poisoning or whatever. The writing could have been much more insightful to be like, well, let's just use an example. Well, no, Jean-Luc, we can't do this because of X, Y, Z. Let's get Rafi. Jean-Luc could have very easily said, no, she's sick. She's ill. She's not feeling well. I don't want to rely on her. We'll find another way. And then let's get creative on how we find another way. And then, look, you know what? I'd settle for Rafi swooping in, you know, a la Independence Day when the guy drops his, you know, breaks his bottle of booze to, to fly and fight the aliens, right? In that last minute, oh, I'm needed. I need to sober up. I need to get my life together. There, I would have settled that for that. Part, that's that's versus, the key right there. I think that's still coming yeah. for Rafi, though. I think that then, it's still... Then they I think we're too. still going to see that, though. But they didn't handle that very well with the no, clapping. they did not. And and they, now they owe me no, two things. Now that not only the clapping, but then back to the music, they end the scene with the beautiful goldsmith swell. Yeah, oh, that was... That was ba, ba, yeah, ba, yeah. Ba, 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 Star ba, ba. Trek, the drunk person gets us the free pass for the day. Yeah, no, no, mm. no, no. You know, and so I don't... I really... I don't want to feed into the, the... What is Gene's vision? What is Star Trek? Whatever... But I, I would argue that Star Trek has been... They've done a much better job with addiction than this. Creative. Much better. And insightful in the way they handle themes that are affecting today's society, right? There is a terrible opioid crisis happening around the world. And this is how you, this is how you want to treat this? With comedy? With a cute little vamp underneath while she's losing her bet you know uh, uh, one of her last friends possibly mm-hmm. with a clap at the end with the swell of the star trek this theme? is the story of the high functioning addict and that's not a good story it's never it never ends no. well and maybe they're gonna pay this off like cat was saying but now they owe me two they need to pay off picard's aromatic syndrome for all the crazy bad decisions that he's been making along the way and they need to now they need to pay off rafi's you know, re-addiction or continued addiction, whichever one it is. We need to, I need to see, for me, I need to see that they are uh, conscious of these things that they're doing, and maybe they're laying Easter eggs for us, you know, or a trail of breadcrumbs, but they need to start showing us, showing us that some of these things. There needs to be consequences for Rafi going back, you know, falling off the wagon. They need, there needs to be you something know, that happens. think losing her friends, like her con, her last contact at Starfleet was a consequence? Like, she has no other options probably now. She's kind of No one else seemed to there. care. No one else seemed to care. Yeah. They got they got that. Yeah. Burning your last bridge of Starfleet got a huge round of applause and the Star Trek theme underneath mm. it. Yeah. Hey, way to, ta- way to take one for the team. Right. Burning your last bridge for us. Good job. Thanks, Rafi. Way to be. Right. Yeah. Right. Hit that. Go go back and hit go that back bottle. And hit, yeah. Go, 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 go be quiet on in us. room. Right. Next, ne- next bottle's on us. Right. Replicated on my, off my rations. I said a moment ago that... This was I was really disappointed in Picard. This is not the Picard that I recall and 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 Jamal in the chat said when has Picard ever been the guy that you're describing? And you know, that brings up a really good point is that although less egregious than Janeway, Picard has done some questionable things in the past. But, you know, one of the things, one of the big things that he's done that that has been looked back upon in criticism is his ability to just be like, hey, Deanna, it's okay that you're getting mind-raped. I'm going to need you to keep having it happen so that we can catch the bad guy. You cool with that? Oh, you're bringing yeah. Nemesis into this? Insensitivity. Nope. Not just Nemesis. It happened also in TNG. Oh, yeah, that uh, um, memory 
race with Keiko and memory yeah. yeah the dreams the bad dreams that she was having mm-hmm. she's the only one who can save the ship you know Deanna go yes please put yourself in, in these horrible situations and thank you thanks so much I guess the Picard that I wanted was the Picard that engages with Ensign Sito from Lower Decks and uh, First Duty Ensign Sito is the Bajoran or Cadet Sito was the Bajoran that was part of the Rogue Squad mm-hmm. Or Red Squad on TNG's first duty. They they do the Corbomite maneuver, and one of the kids dies, and they're trying to cover it up. Blah 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 blah. Anyway, she gets through, and Picard brings her aboard the Enterprise later on in the series, in the episode Lower Decks, where she has a very tough conversation with Picard, and Picard, his reason for bringing her on was that. He's about second chances. He's about doing the right thing whilst still holding the person accountable, right? That was the Picard I wanted to see with Rafi. The Picard that would say, no, she's sick, she's ill, we'll find another way. Not the Picard that is completely oblivious to the person's needs and the person's well-being and the person's health. I, they keep on saying that guy's gone, man. I mean, the, this is not the Picard you had. Uh, we knew. It's, it's, it's a different guy. And we like it when we see bits and pieces of how the new guy is connected to the old guy, like the Borg face thing. I mean, it's nice to see those connections. But this is a different person now. 20 years later, he had the bad Romulan thing happen to him, all that stuff. He's, he's a different guy. And I, 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 think, I think that if we're expecting to see the old guy come through... We might, but it's gonna have. It's gonna be like the last stand kind of a thing, or the cliffhanger episode at the end of, of episode ten, at the end of season one. It's it's gonna be a moment, right? They're not gonna. They're gonna save it. They're gonna save it for that. I really just hope that they they represent. I hope that Star Trek does what it has done best in the last fifty plus years, which is take a theme, not be tropey with it. Right, but instead shine a light on it. Shine a light about if, in this case, addiction. Shine a light about how it affects people around you, how people interact with you. Star Trek has been at its best when it's been creative and truthful in the way it handles things, and in Discovery and thus far in Picard, I haven't seen that level of creativity. To be honest with you. That level of creativity and that level of of insightfulness. But it's it's a, it's a shame that they uh, missed the mark on this because we are just completely out of time to talk about Narek's ritual foot fetish and the extremely terrible transporter security they have on the cube. I mean, we just got no room to talk about those things, and I'm really disappointed in that. That is that is disappointing. I mean, but how would they know about the Queen's Chamber? It was all hidden. I mean, you wouldn't know a secret transporter was in there. Well, you know, but they got it from the Stargate planet because it's like a Stargate. Oh, right, right, right. right. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and also and also they've uh, they've imported the, the the boomer from the Cylons uh, as the main character. Right. So I mean, yes. Yeah. It's too bad we and don't have Narek. any more time to talk about that. <laughs> I know, right, Narek? What too the bad, heck? Too bad. Uh, you know what? We do have time to talk about it in After Hours, <gasps> which is exclusive to our patrons. So if you want to hear us talk about Cylons and fetishes. Star Trek and how they work <laughs> together, then head on over to patreon.com forward slash priority one. Just do a search for priority one podcast and become a patron for just $10 a month. 
That wraps up this week's On Screen for Star Trek Picard. Now let's open hailing frequencies and see what's incoming. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See, we are getting to know each other. Well, Captains, hailing frequencies are now open, and we're ready to receive all of your incoming messages. Our first community question this week was, how do you feel the new legendary ships perform compared to their existing T6 variants? Has your favorite Star Trek Online ship changed? From Facebook, Jace Some Guy Pentad writes in and says, I didn't end up purchasing the pack, but the legendary Defiant is almost completely a direct upgrade to the Tier 6 Fleet Tactical Escort just by virtue of the pilot maneuvers and swapping the experimental weapon for a fifth four weapon slot. That said, I have no real complaints about my T6 Defiant as I get close to completing the build and can wait for the possibility of individual purchase on the legend. On Facebook, Brian Castleman writes in, I picked up the pack. So far, visually, I am the most pleased with the NX and wish all temporal 23rd century ships had a film era option, as I tend to prefer it over TOS looks. Best thing though for my main was not a ship, but a ship trait. Angry gravity wells harvested from the cross field are fantastic. Oh yeah. I have to admit, I did throw that onto my fleet escort, uh, my fleet advanced escort, cause that's the, that escort allows you to trait for a gravity mm-hmm. well. And that was kind of fun. That was kind of fun, gravitying well. Gravitying, welling. <laughs> gravity gravi- welling? Gra- putting, hitting gravity <laughs> well. Gravity welling, gravitying well like. And then fire, And then firing all my weapons at them. That was great. Our second community question this week was, what do you want Star Trek's next two shows to be? On Facebook, Dan Canescu writes in, in regards to other shows, I'd love to see a show about Seven forming the new Maki Rangers. It would be an interesting counterweight to the quasi-dystopian lawless space we were shown in early Star Trek Picard. I also want to see a show about the USS Destiny, or something comparable to that. It would be really cool to watch a group of scientists on the cutting edge of technology, trying to discover the secret of stable slipstream drive. Canonizing the Vesta class with Captain Ezri Dax would be an added bonus. From PriorityOnePodcast.com, Tyler Maxwell says, I'm not really sure. What's left, though? Maybe a Klingon show? I doubt that the Klingon-centric fan base, much like the KDF-only player base in Star Trek Online, is large enough to support a show all to themselves, but perhaps we could have a Mandalorian-like surprise hit there. A Federation West Wing sort of show? I suppose there are a lot of other show ideas that could fit in a Star Trek setting, but I can't think of any that need to be in Star Trek right now. Well, that wraps up episode 451 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. But there are more great shows available to you on the Roddenberry Podcast Network. Just open your favorite podcast app and do a search for Roddenberry. There you'll be able to subscribe to our master list of all the shows. Then be sure to share that with your friends and let them know that they can get all the Star Trek all the time from the Roddenberry Podcast Network. But we can't forget to send a special thanks to some of our Patreon supporters like Diana Gunther, Darnell Dwayne Ross, David K. Rutley, Joshua Selig, and Peter Archibald. 
And here's a reminder of what our community questions are for this week. First up, should William Shatner reprise his role as Captain Kirk, either as a cameo or in a title role a la Picard? In Star Trek Online news, are you going to try to get your hands on the new Section 31 ship? Also, are you more likely to pick up the Mako or Wrath of Khan costumes now that they've moved to the Lobby store? Captains, it's important to us that you get your voice heard and that you participate in the conversation. Leave us a comment on our website at PriorityOnePodcast.com, on our Facebook page at Facebook.com forward slash PriorityOnePodcast, or find us on Twitter and Instagram at PriorityOnePod. And if you're still craving more, be sure to spend time with Winters and me and the rest of the Priority One Armada. Saturday nights, the Armada broadcasts live to review the latest news from Star Trek Online and the Armada community, including spotlighting some of our amazing members. With regular giveaways, there's something for all Star Trek Online players, whether you're new or a veteran. Follow us on all our social media accounts for broadcast times. And if you'd like to join the Armada, visit PriorityOneArmada.com. This episode of Priority One is brought to you by our Patron through patreon.com. Find out more and add your support at patreon.com forward slash priority one. And even if you cannot make a financial contribution, then the next best thing you can do is spread the word about our show. Invite your fellow Trekkies to get their weekly roundup of Star Trek news and reviews right here. It's your support that keeps us going. Don't forget to tune in to Priority One Productions Guard Frequency Podcast at guardfrequency.com. Each episode, the Guard will take you inside the universe of your favorite space sims, including a tabletop adventure, play out by your hosts and heroes rise brings you up to date with the world of dungeons and dragons learn all about the latest publications tools tips tricks and traps in less time than it takes to skin a wyvern head over to heroesrisepodcast.com to discover their secrets Thanks to our audio editors, including Gray, William, Brandon, Rand, Daniel, Roscoe, and Skiffy. Thanks to our producer, Jake Morgan, with support from associate producer Shane Hoover. Together, they help us organize and write up our summary of the weekly headlines from the Star Trek multiverse. Thanks to our graphic artist, Henry Pomper, with support from Jason Smith of the Priority One Armada. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. But most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek community, our listeners, because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Enemy ship on sensors. Red alert. Shields up. Engage. Engage. Star Trek Picard showrunner Michael Shabom chatting Trek on Inst. Did you say Shabom or Shabon? Sounded like bomb. Uh, well, <laughs> it I, did sound like bomb. I mean, Shabom, Shabom, <laughs> oh oh oh, Shabom, Shabom. I don't know what. Don't Whatever it is, it. sounded good to that me. Ricky Martin song. <laughs> she bang, she bang. Wasn't that the Ricky she Martin bang, song? Yeah. Isn't that what I was yeah. trying to sing? Okay. The Federation is still very much alive and well, and... (laughs) 
I swear, I've had well, just, just one, one sip of scotch of, and like a half an hour of cardio, and you're a wreck. Bourbon, you're just a wreck. I'm a wreck. I'll. I will need to just one beg your indulgence just for a second while I deal with this tiny creature. Oh, I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> uh. I closed the door. Uh, I am not a Scott. I closed the door because my family or my son's doing the dishes upstairs and they're my family's talking. And now my cat wants out. So now I have to throw the cat out. So hang on a second. I'm like, that's because you closed the door. There can be no closed doors <laughs> around my cats at least because they're like, oh, wait. I, that should be open. Now he's going to want to come back in. <laughs> Star Trek Online has announced the latest duty officer and R&D promotion event. Star Trek Online has announced the latest start. Oh, jeez. I'm just going to go crawl into the fetal <laughs> position and go to sleep. Turning an eye towards the ship's stats, this is a scaling Tier 6 Federation battle cruiser with a 5 front, 3 rear. <laughs> rear. We are. We are. Dang it. All right. Here we go. Where the previous event structure would pay 7,000. Where the previous, uh, geez, of the Klingons who want to give the players a hard time. And quote, you can also get a bad case of diphtheria, of beige. Beige. <laughs> you could experience the beige. You could. Take beige. <laughs> On the board cube, Narek is playing the role of Dr. Sigmund Freud, guiding Soji as she figures out the meaning of her dreams. And just like her father, starts tearing things up when she's got a nightmare. Oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, Priority one podcast. Now with cats. <laughs> Extra cats. Extra cats. Do Picard and Soji end up on the Sicarian? Sicarian. Sicarian. <laughs> what a terrible type of. I know. Well, it was not the first one. I, I didn't catch that one. I saw it before. Huge. <laughs> <laughs> Huge typo. <laughs> and wish all temporal 23rd century sh I mean, who doesn't love a giant red gravity well? <laughs> I'm not going to tell you no. I refuse to say that because I hate that series. I refuse. <laughs> podcast.roddenberry.com The Roddenberry Podcast Network